and welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor podcast. I am your host, Andy, and just as Survivor did a swap this week, so did we. We swapped our regular host, John, and we swapped Matt out of the live blog this week so he can join us for the podcast. Matt, great to have you aboard. Great to be here. Happy to rejoin the podcast, but in video form. Yeah, it had been a while, and you know... Often how we do it is you talk to John and, oh, look at that. I screw this up every fifth time. Ever. What happened? Well, we sound great so far. Um, sorry, the YouTube just started on delay there. That was embarrassing. But, hey, if you watch this show for our professionalism, I have to question your judgment. Uh, but, yeah, I know. It was good to have you back. Usually I'm talking to Emily and um, I grew tired of that, so... I yeah. to get, mix it up here. This way we can talk over each other, just like you talk over John, and the few times I'm on, I talk over John as well. This is going to be a real uh, battle. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into the episode, because uh, we got new tribes. Woo! Yeah, and I think um, that led to um, what I feel was a pretty good episode, and I think a lot of people are satisfied with it. And I think the reason for that, if you had to pin it down to one thing is um, we no longer have to see a Gen X tribe. Yeah, because the Gen X tribe was really boring, but with interesting results. It's just, we didn't want to see the process that went into their tribal councils. Their tribal councils were interesting, and now we remove them from each other, and now we can just have them be among other interesting people. Yeah, I think think their day-to-day in the Gen X tribe was just, you know, trying to keep things, you know, easy and dull and frankly i get that uh i am also old and um i don't seek drama in my life at all you know that's a young person thing that's why you know like tv teen shows are exciting or you know maybe why adults want to read you know um you know kids you know teeny teen books about vampires or whatever because it's like oh they're so dramatic and all that but Frankly, I don't want any drama in my life. I just want to go home and relax. And I think that was, like, what the tribes were like until, well, you know, David would do something crazy. But now, you know, you sprinkle them amongst a few tribes. Frankly, never that many in any of the tribes. And I think we're going to have a better season as a result. Right, because before this, the only thing that would happen that was interesting on the Gen X tribe was David doing something crazy or spazzing out about something or just basically being David at the moment. Yeah, or Ken taking off his shirt, obviously. That led to a lot of entertainment as well. Uh, (laughs) We're not going to lose that, though. Um, Ken will still take off his shirt. Ken will still be beautiful, beautiful Ken. Honestly, like, I don't... Just, I don't know sure if his shirt made the journey. Uh, like, I, I, I can't really recall what kind of shirt he wears, but, you know, why would I pay attention to that? Uh, so I, I was thinking... Ken's shirt, it's probably he, put, he took it off once, and then one of the women stole it, because why would they ever want him to put that back on? And they just hit it. That's right. Or, or maybe the, the, the cyclone did it. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of theories. Every, every People out there, if you have an answer to what happened to Ken's shirt, uh, let us know. Uh, we are the podcast. We're on it. Uh, two dudes talking about Ken and his shirt. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think I, uh, we're going to spend a lot, a lot of time uh, just discussing three new tribes because we've got um, different dynamics to go through. And I think, you know, I don't think there's a dud, uh, at least not nothing that leaps off the page. That's probably because the millennial tribe was really interesting. So they had a lot of interest to you know, spread around. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the new tribe. Um, green. 
I get, uh, it's they uh, call it Ikabula, I think. I which, think that's right, but I'm just call, I've been calling it the Green Tribe in my head. Sure, I mean I don't know how often I ever refer to tribes by their name. I guess when they become infamous, that'd be a thing. But I right. say Ikabula is a fun thing to say, so maybe that might you know break the trend. So this one we've got Brett, Hannah, Jay, Michaela, Sunday, and Will. They they gave them one extra person and no shelter. Uh, Actually, before we go into that, what did you think of the going to two to three and the extra person and all that? I thought the extra person was a good fix because, uh, you know, they have to build up their camp again, giving them an extra person, gives them an extra hand. I also thought that tribe came off, like, actually as a pretty strong, cohesive tribe. Like, um, but you were asking if there's, like, a dud from the entertainment factor. Uh, the only reason this one isn't is because it got Michaela, who's the most interesting person in the game right now. Like, she can single-handedly carry a tribe for just entertainment factor. So, yeah, that's actually a good point, because Brett and Sunday have shown nothing so far. Will right. is whatever. Um, yeah. you know, Hannah is a spaz that, you know, could cause interest if she does anything. Right. Uh, Jay is fine, but yeah, it's all Michaela. Right. Uh, so, actually, let's let's start with Michaela, because she had a bit of an episode, I'd like, I think. Yeah, no, she had a great episode. Uh, are you thinking that she's uh, getting a winner's edit, quote-unquote, here? Well, I mean, she did get that extended sequence of, of victory, of starting a fire, and then the emotion that goes after that. The problem with considering that a winner's edit is uh, Zeke also got that also, and I don't think there's two winners this season. So, I also has cried on camera this season, so... I, I know, so we got to look at our, like, crying oh, um, tears. But as, you know, the world's most foremost uh, proponent of edgic, uh, what would you think that that means? Um, I think it means that Michaela's a fan favorite, and that's how they're editing her that way. I think she's a contender. I don't think she's going to win. I think she's someone who they expect people to like a lot because she's a lot of fun. And yeah, no, she's awesome. Right, so they're giving her, you know, the fan favorite at it. Is there a reason why you don't think she's going to win? Um, no, I just think there's other people who I think I might have slightly ahead of her at the moment. Because I'd say something from this episode that might be a tell of uh, what would prevent uh, Michaela from winning is uh, she's not very good at hiding disappointment situations, uh, as evidenced by the, when she gets her green buff and just disgustedly throws it on the ground. <laughs> and I love Probes calling her out on that. He's like, Michaela, you don't seem very happy here. And she's like, hell no. Why would I be happy? I'm going to a camp with no shelter. I got to work now? What, what's this? Like, come on now. Yeah, and that's, yeah, often people are like, oh, no, Probes is blowing up her spot. No, he's trying to extend the moment for greater TV, and she delivered. Because, yeah, she's not going to be a shrinking violet. Oh, no, I mean, it just wasn't a thing. No, she's going to tell you what she thinks, and they know that, because that's why they cast her, because she'll tell you what she thinks, and she'll say it in a funny way. And you know who the last person to express such disgust at being uh, swapped into a third tribe was? Somebody who also got a winner's edit. Oh, look at that. We already have a guest appearance. <laughs> hello. <laughs> Are you just saying a quick hello, Captain? Yeah. Do you want to come over here for a second? I know. Emily looks a lot different this week. <laughs> Do you want to say hi to everyone? Hi. Hi. This is my friend, Matt. Can you say hi, Matt? Hi, Matt. Aw, thanks. So, who do you think is going to win Survivor this time? Last time you said Superman. Still Superman? Yeah, I mean, I honestly think you nailed it. People look for ways to say that Superman's not going to win contests because it's boring. 
but it's true. He can do everything. His superpower is all the powers. Right. Uh, are you going to go to sleep now, buddy? Okay. Yes, good night. <laughs> good night. Good night. Oh, the timing doesn't work. We were setting up such a beautiful, wonderful joke. I know. That is the last person to be that disgusted about a swap was Andrew Savage. Right. And everyone loved him for his reaction, didn't they? Absolutely. Uh, him and Michaela are the same. If people are like, oh, it's Savage-esque and we love them. Hey. Right. <laughs> oh. Okay, it looks like I got one more here. Just one second. <laughs> All right. This is live TV here, yes, folks. Yes, it is. Live People TV. Are like, all right, we did it. We get the overkill. You have kids. Uh, this is the one that never shows up for these things because he actually goes to sleep on time. But I think he was feeling jealous of his little brother. Do you want to say hi? Hi. Hi. So this is my friend Matt. He is in Philadelphia. That is a city in the United States with a terrible basketball team. It's, it's a really bad basketball thing. It's almost as it's it's slightly worse. Almost, it is worse. Two years ago, you guys were worse. <laughs> All right, so you're on YouTube right now, Alex. So I think the only thing that would be appropriate is for us to either unbox toys or discuss video games. That's what YouTube is for, right? Good night, son. Alright, see? The three-year-old's got no shame. The seven-year-old's like, I made a huge mistake. Seven-year-old's like, I just opened myself up to dad jokes? What did I just do? <laughs> yeah, she's starting to cross the threshold of uh, finding me less godlike and more embarrassing. Oh, uh, it's a nice uh, change of pace there. But yeah, um, who even knows what we were talking about before? Let's. Uh, you're, making, just... you're making a very extended Andrew Savage joke that was interrupted. <laughs> yeah, I think my kids knew it wasn't worth the trouble. They're like, let's save them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so obviously uh, she has that great moment when she gets moved over there. Even better moment with the fire. And then she destroyed. Speaking of great basketball, right. um, which we weren't. We were talking about terrible basketball. <laughs> uh, she killed it. And that's the second time she's beasted a challenge. Yeah, yeah, and you had, you know, like, Ann and Chris, you know, messing it up on their teams, and Michaela was just sinking them one after another. That's right, kind of uh, showing the boys what to do. And I, I think that this could mean, you know, if you're, like, you're going back to edit and why you think, you know, these are positive yeah. things but not necessarily winner, um, it's not hard to fathom Jeff Probst falling in love with a challenge beast who, like, gives him great material in, like, interviews. Right, and it's also hard, it's not hard to see, you know, everyone has been noticing and commenting on how well she's been doing. It's not hard to imagine them picking her out as a target after the merge when it becomes an individual game. Right, because, um, and that's actually the fun part of having you on the show rather than John, who would just be like, I don't care, I love her, I don't care, I have her chances in the game. Um, she doesn't really have people, right? Like, who are Michaela's people? It's a good question. I don't. I don't know if she has a. I don't know if she even has a close person. Yeah. Like you know, she's part of groups, but she's always on. It seems like she's more towards the outside of those groups. Yeah, like we saw Hannah, you know, cheering her on and giving her a hug. But like, I don't think Michaela is the closest to Hannah. Um, you know, I think Jay and her will get along in this scenario. Like, I think she'll do fine in this uh, tri uh, 
part of the game, uh, especially because, as we'll get to, you don't really vote out your weakest members when you're a tribe so thin. Um, which you don't vote out your strongest. That's right. Sorry. Yes, you definitely vote out, vote out your weakest. Sorry. But, yeah, I don't know who her close connections are, and I don't know that she'll be making them here unless she, like, makes a jump to hang with Brett and Sunday. Um, and then once the swap comes, Excuse I'm me. not sure where she's going to fit in. Obviously, plenty of time. But as you say, she might be too threatening for people who are like, yeah, let's you know get together with Michaela. Um, all right, so yeah, we think she's in a good spot in this uh, tribe, and yeah, we think she's the best part of this tribe. Let's go to the other side. Are Sunday and Brett, Brett doomed here? Yes. Good, 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 good talk. I'm, I'm glad uh, we had that. I mean, okay, no, I should actually say I actually. I think you had the right answer. No, 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 no. I don't think they are because I don't think that tribe's going to lose. I honestly don't. Um, I, I think uh, if they do, then I would say, yeah, sure, probably Sunday goes home. Though I could see a case for Brett as well. Um, but I don't think both of them – They, I don't think the tribe's going to lose twice. I don't think it's going to lose once. So that's why I'd say they're not doomed. Right, so they just kind of have to ride it out. And you saw a bit of that in this episode. That, yeah. You know, they just kind of kept their heads down and uh, were helping build but not, you know, bossing anybody around. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe if they can just, you know – hide enough. But yeah, I mean, this is the thing about the three-tribe thing. You don't need to win, you just need to not lose. And right, and I think that tribe's good enough that they don't have any weaknesses, and I think they have two people who are really good at challenges in Michaela and Jay. Because, yeah. like, you know, we were talking about Michaela beating it, but Jay, I think, was also by far the best swimmer. He swam... He, he did twice, and he did it faster than Chris, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. So, so yeah, and, he, and he's been doing well at a bunch of challenges, so... They got they got like two very good uh, challenge people in there, so I, I think they're pretty safe in terms of finishing. All right, so we did see an idol find again this episode, and we have a new beach in your tribe. Do we think they have an idol? Probably yes. Yeah, I, I think that's one thing to think about. I think they absolutely should. It sounds like Angkor had one uh, in Cambodia. I never found it. Yeah. Well, they didn't get get it, but it sounds like there was one for them. Uh, right, just, but, that, uh, but that tribe was so miserable, they mm-hmm. didn't want to do anything except suffer there. So. Frankly, I don't even know where they would have hit it in Angkor, right? It sounded like they didn't even have any trees or anything, right? Yeah. It was just the desolate <laughs> rock beach. Yeah. So it must have been under one of the particularly heavy ones. Uh, yeah. That's kind of like why, like, for instance, it didn't come into play this episode, is they have to build a shelter and stuff with yeah. few people. So there's less opportunity to duck away. But unlike unlike in Cambodia, I do think they were able to get more of it done because, A, they have one more person. Well, actually, I think they have more than one more. They have one more person than the other tribes, but I believe they might have, like, two more than Angkor had. I think they had five people. Oh, no, six. That's how math works. Sorry. Uh, they're not as hungry. Uh, it, the weather isn't as hard. So I do think that they might get something together. The nice advantage of building a shelter at this point, if there is any, is that you're not building it for 10 people. It doesn't have to be as big. Right. But for these particular people, it kind of sucks because this is probably about the third time because the cyclone wiped out anything they built on day one, right? Right, yeah. And actually, someone asked me this, you know, like, is there a benefit in building a shelter if you're only expecting to be in a three-tribe scenario for maybe two or three boots? Um, I would say yes, because not sleeping for, like, even a couple nights would just wreck you, and then you're sending people home. But what do you think of that? Is there a benefit to building a shelter there? Uh, I don't think so, because I imagine in Survivor, any tra- shelter you build, you're 
fixing up and rebuilding every few days or so. I don't know if, like, you set one down on day three and that's good until the end of the game. I mean, maybe if, you know, you're given a set of tools like an All-Stars. Even there, I think that was about at this point in time. So, I, I know. But I do think there's probably an advantage of having to build it for six people as opposed to... Yeah, you know, sure. 11. You can do a lot smaller, yeah. Because actually what ends up happening sometimes is they make them do it again. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cruel? They make them do it again at the merge. Like they find a new beach or they take down all of the stuff. And sometimes they do that in the three-tribe format to the worst tribe. To the one because it's like they need, you know, you're, you're going to need to build something bigger now. Uh, right. That would suck for these people if they build the shelter a fourth time. I almost want it to happen now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, we just keep tearing down taking everything away from you this season. All right, so uh, anything else on that tribe? Um, Basically, how do you think that one's going to shape up? As you say, you just don't think they're going to lose, so it doesn't. Really I don't matter. think they're going to lose, but but I I think if they do, I think the millennials will stick together there. I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. The thing you asked if there's an idol there, I don't even know who on that tribe would be really like searching for an idol. Maybe Hana, but I don't think Michaela is for sure. I don't think Brett. Yeah. Think maybe so. maybe Will. Maybe I I don't know. Like I mean, who who knows? What do we know about Will that he's barely yeah. legal? That's about it, right? And right. that he sounds like more manly than us. <laughs> right. Yes, that too. Um, yeah. But yeah, so and, I mean, like you know, so, so who would search for it? Maybe Hana, but I don't really think anyone's going to be a big idol hunter over there. So yeah, and I think uh, I think you're right. Of the tribes, I think this is the one that's least likely to break ranks, in part because like the. Four millennials that are together don't have any beef with each other in the way that right. you know, it's in the other sense, and nor do Brett and Sunday. So, right, I think that this one's going to have a lot of shakeup. So, I think you know what we might end up getting out of stories of them is kind of some more of what we got here. You know, uplifting you know, survivalist things, and you know, Michaela saying awesome, funny things. Right. No, which, and is, I agree. which is enough. I'm okay with that for now. Uh, so let's move on to what should be our favorite tribe if you go by branding, and that would be the Purple Tribe. Right. Uh, I guess they're called the Cali. We will never call them that. Uh, Adam, Figgy, Jessica, Ken, and Taylor. Yeah, that's actually – I think that might be my favorite of the three just because I really like the fact that Figgy and Taylor stay together for all of the reaction shots that they've been getting. Like, Adam just – rolling his eyes at Taylor trying to mack on her subtly and because and I'm using air quotes here for those listening not watching because that was not subtle at all that was a guy going why can't I sleep with you right now yeah and like obviously like you know it's probably a dumb question or you know to get into like how dumb Taylor is like yeah duh but man, how dumb is Taylor? Like, and not just like how his insistent it is, but that like it'll, it'll never bounce back on us because we have this incredible uh, numbers advantage with the guy we were going to vote out for that I'm sure wants to nothing more than to sign on to be the third wheel and hang outside the shelter while we put a sock up. Like, yeah, I do have like no social grace that it's just kind of not cool. It's right. a, a group of three people to be like, hey, dude, uh, watch us make out of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, okay, so how dumb is Taylor? Let's play a game here. Is Taylor dumber than Eric Reichenbach? Ooh, this, this, is, a, this is a tough name game here that we're playing. Uh, <laughs> yes, probably. I, I, I'm, okay. I, I really don't like Eric Reichenbach. I know you do. It's <laughs> hard for you. I think he's so stupid, not just in the game, but, you know, <laughs> on other areas. But, 
Yeah, I'm actually going to say that Eric Reichenbach okay. has Taylor B. Okay, what about uh, Jason Siska? Hmm. What's tough is that we have gotten more of one or the other, but I, I'm going to say Jason Siska's dumber than Taylor. Okay, yeah, I, I think I think this is right. Okay, uh, last one, Eddie Fox. Ooh. So what we don't know about Taylor is his ability to be employed. So I'm going to give Eddie the advantage of in smarts uh, okay. because I think, I mean, while he's a simple bro – he obviously learned enough to get through school, and I bet if you got in him, like you get him in those scenarios, like an emergency situation, he'll know his stuff and he'll say it, and then he'll go back to being simple, uh, untroubled Eddie. Whereas I don't think there's like another layer of depth to Taylor anywhere. I, I think what you see with Taylor is what you get, and yeah. it won't even be that much. And yeah, what you see is like just this is always this vacant. Uh, half, like, this open mouth smile with, like, really twinkly eyes. I'll give it to him. He's got that, but there's just nothing going on there. Right. Like, what, and, like, when Figgy is, you know, the the, the chaste one, and, like, oh, no, let's let's think for a moment here. Um, this is, of course, why we hesitate to ever call them a power alliance. Right. Then they're a couple. There's no power there. Correct. So Adam is flipping, right? Oh, absolutely. There is no chance he sticks with them. Are you kidding me? I think of all the people on that Millennial Tribe, uh, he was the one that liked them the least. Yep, he was well, the one that we, we saw. And, and, you know, let's go back to our good friend, Edgic. No, that, so, yeah. we're quickly, because I'm just doing that because it's fun. Um, there's a difference between reading the edit and Edgic. Um, yes. Uh, which I'm not going to go ahead and point, paint them as boogeymen. Frankly, hey, let's big them up. That means they're doing even more. But for the edit, we've seen him obviously you know, try to get her out in the very first vote. We saw him try to convince Michaela of all the reasons why she should flip and how all the reasons why they, these two in particular, are a threat. Right. It's going to happen. The only way it doesn't happen is in the scenario discussed before. They just don't lose. Right. But... I think it's going to happen. I think it's been too much build-up to not happen. Yeah, like, what was the deal of, like, centering the commercial around Will Taylor and Figgy get broken up? Who knows? It's like, do, you, do they think there's a demographic, like, that's emotionally invested in that? Go, no, we're not Taylor and Figs, huh? I am worried that they think it's another, like, Boston Robin Amber thing that people are rooting for. Uh, these two are not Boston Robin Amber. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess if you get on Twitter, you, the, there are people that are, you know, rooting for it. But, I mean, there's people that root for anything in small enough numbers. But, like, I, I think the show gets that these people are not to be respected. Like, I don't think they're trying to make us feel that way. Like, yeah, they are very much, you know, putting the thumb on the scale of showing every time Taylor's like, what could ever go wrong? <laughs> right, well, I, I, and maybe the reason why that was the commercial was because they didn't want to show us anything after the swap. So right. this was something we knew about the current dynamics that we knew would be affected some way or another by the swap. Yeah, and, and I guess the other thing is, like, when we saw it, it was like, I hope so, because this would be great. Um, right. But I actually think it works better that they're not, and the reasons oh. that you kind of got at. Oh, yeah, I think it's much better that they're together. I, I thought it would also be good to be split up and then to see, like, each other, like, not show up one time at Tribal. This is so much better. Yeah, because, you know, there's no way that they're going to keep 
their hands to themselves. In fact, um, the secret scene this week is already them not. Um, right. you know, they, they wait for you know Ken to leave. Like, is he gone? Is he gone? All right, let's do this. It's like, <laughs> like, like as dumb as it was that they hooked up in the first place, their, their minds are not anywhere near the game at all. And like, I, I get you know horniness. Um, maybe less so in that scenario, but I think they have the advantage of jumping on it right away. Um, phrasing, probably intentional. Phrasing. Uh, <laughs> to the Android Bishop. Yeah, but now it's just like, no, 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 we're good. And uh, even in Taylor's like uh, bonus scene where he's talking, he's like, ah, what's a million dollars? I'm young. That's only so I can do nothing for 10 years. This is for something for longer. It's like, dude, actually, for him, his relationship with Figgy might actually outlast his million dollars. Um, but yeah. How generally, long keep that million, right? Yeah. But then again, do you really expect them to still be together at the reunion? No, I think they're already done. Yeah, they're certainly not leaking out pictures of themselves. Like, like Michelle and Nick had more photos of them together, and they weren't actually a couple. Right. So, nope. No. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no, I think that's great. I think Adam is going to flip for sure. And that worked out perfectly. I think this worked out perfectly for him because I do think this is a start of something where he can actually, you know, work in the game instead of just trying to hang on to be seventh millennial uses idol at the right time. I think he can actually build something real with uh, David and Jessica. Yeah. You mean Ken and Jessica? Ken. Sure. Yes. Later, you just confused Ken and David. They're not the same guy. <laughs> there, there could not be two more different people in the game. <laughs> yep, yep, that's right. <laughs> like one end and the other. Not a sick. I think Cece and Ken are closer. David and Ken. Oh, yes. Will and Ken. Yep. Okay, you got me. <laughs> Um, uh, so, uh, we opened the episode, uh, you know, with people in this tribe, but, you know, not in this tribe. We get that scene with Jen and Jessica and Ken, uh, nighttime, although some people have theorized maybe this actually is on the purple beach and it was just flipped yeah. around, uh, which would help make a little more sense why these two are having this discussion. But, uh, what do you think about Jessica, you know, giving Ken all the credit and what she had to say about her legacy advantage? Well, again, it's, I think it's important that the sh- it's not important that Jessica necessarily gave Ken the credit. It's important that the show showed us giving Jessica, uh, okay. the credit to Ken. Okay. Because what that means is that the show thinks this is important to us. It means that the show thinks that this is what matters rather than like, we may, Jessica may have also said thank you, David, for the idol play. Mm-hmm. But the show didn't show us that. And the reason they didn't show us that was because they didn't think it was important. They do think this is important. Yeah, and you know, people don't have to worry how long term that is. It's more important because they are currently on a tribe together, and David is not. Um, yeah. And I also think that for in Je- for Jessica's part, Ken is the relationship she needed to repair. Because yeah. I don't know if you walk away from that tribal council uh, after you know Ken staring into the deep recesses of your soul for like three minutes and thinking we're good, right? Like, so I understand that um, absolutely. Yeah. And people are like, like, and people are outraged. Like, why? Thank you. Uh, why about David? But I think more people are, are concerned about her uh, spilling the beans on the legacy advantage. I don't think she actually said 
everything about it, though. I, I don't know. I haven't gone back and watched the tape, but it seemed like she said, I have an advantage. It doesn't come into play until this point, but I am willing to use it with you, too. Yeah, and she said, I would have given it to you. I think so many people are getting hung up. It's like, oh, she told him she's going to give it to him after she gets voted out. It's like, I don't, I, that's not what I saw. Right. And I think, you know, that's the, the benefit, uh, you know, I have and you had this week of not having to do instant reactions. Like, get your takes off right away and then not paying attention. Uh, yeah, I, she said she would have done it because she would have realized in that moment that Ken was telling her the truth and he tried to save her. Yeah. But it doesn't mean necessarily when I go next time, I'll give it to you and I can only give it to you when I go. And I think that's the key part. She did not, from what we saw, tell him that when I get voted out, I will give this to you. Right. And, you know, let's just be honest here. As much as I love Ken and I love Ken, uh, I don't think he's like the most, the biggest survivor fan on this season. I don't think he's necessarily parsing this as close as we are. He might not know that if you have a regular idol and you're voted out, you can't just, like, throw it to someone. Like, he might just think that there's, you know, like, that's they, like that's a normal thing there. I so. honestly think there's a good chance Ken is the least biggest Survivor fan on this, tri- <laughs> on this tribe, on this season. Like, I... I bet he wasn't watching when he was out bumming around in Hawaii or whatever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't think the show cared, nor should they. Uh, no. Here's a quick question that wasn't in the breakdown. Um, if you had to pick one survivor from the past to be Ken's best bro, who do you think that would be? Because uh, um... it's Andrew Savage, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, it probably would be. <laughs> they would really get along, actually. <laughs> Except here's the problem. Ken likes to be in control. Savage likes to be in control. But, but Savage got along with Jeremy. And they and there's a similar dynamic there. And they were like best buds. Yeah, no, I think Savage likes to be in control. But he's willing to power share a bit as long as you are on his level. You, right. you, you pass his standards. And obviously Ken would. So, yeah, I think you and I have successfully ruined Ken for most people. Yes. I, I, I hope that we can all look at Ken right now. And just think of Andrew Savage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad we can still troll. Uh, <laughs> and another question out there later is what the declarative uh, post you will be doing this week, this week that will be you know, proven wrong. Uh, we have to find that one. We don't. You can't force it. You have to find it, though. I, um, I haven't found it yet. It'll come to me. Probably right around merge time. That's usually when it comes. You know, it's just late right. enough for me to have a strong opinion. Uh, but it's still early enough for me to be just dead wrong about everything. That's right. Yeah, we can't force these things. When the muse hits, it hits. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the tribe that actually lost, and this is where you know the majority of the plotting of the episode happened. Uh, the Orange Tribe, they are called Fadua. Sure. Uh, CC, Chris, David, Michelle, and Zeke. Um, that scene between Zeke and Chris bonding, that was pretty cute, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I had actually forgotten that Zeke was from Oklahoma, uh, so, yeah, sure, I mean, I mean, if he's from Oklahoma, he's gonna be a Sooners fan. Yeah, or, or hate it, right, like, just be like, you know, an iconic class is like, why is everybody always like this, but. No, he's gonna be a Sooners fan. 
But more like, you know, the people that hate sports ball or whatever, which, you know, there was a, a possibility that he could be that type. But nope, nope, he's uh, in this. Uh, his dad was in Oklahoma. I think he played for Oklahoma or something. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of the hipster I hate sports ball types, for, you know, in Oklahoma. No, like he could be the one. The one. Like, he could to, like you've seen the way he dresses, right? He, he, he does live in Brooklyn, so... Yeah, yeah, he had to get out of... You know, he was tired of these Okies. He had to be out in Brooklyn and just... Yeah. But, like, even if he was that now, he would know enough to speak that language to be, oh, be that way. And he, he said that that was uh, a strength and advantage he thought would have going in, yeah. is that, you know, he has, you know, this middle America background that, you know, helps him talk to different people, and he uses it in his current job. Uh, but he wasn't snowing him under. I think he actually is a big fan. I think he was actually a big fan. Do, do we remember, was Chris, like, a big player on that team, or was he just on that team? You know, I've been thinking he was the quarterback, but now I think that can't be true, because he is the quarterback. Because if it was the national championship team, wasn't that, like, Wenke or something like that? Or that's, Yeah, that's probably right. So, yeah, he, like, he was on the team, but... Wenke might have been, like, Florida. No, wasn't... Yeah, Wenke was Florida State, right? Yeah, no, yeah, no, but there was another guy that was, like, right around that time that... That I'm uh, people answer in the credit uh, in the comments. Let us know who the quarterback for Oklahoma's uh, yeah when they won the Sooners national championship. Yeah. Obviously, this is the the exact discussion that Survivor fans typically have. Um, but no, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, what are the odds though? Right, like because these got to be like the only two people from Oklahoma that have ever been on Survivor. But don't you think they cast it that way? Like because they want like people to be recognized. Like you know, okay, when they cast like. Gary Hogaboom, did they, you know, did they really think like, well, okay, this guy played in the NFL. We want him to be recognized by someone. Let's guess someone who was in sports broadcasting. Yeah, you know? who's from Kansas where he played college ball. Yeah, yeah, Right. You know, like, I, I think they want that to happen, so they look for someone to be that person. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they went out there and, like, had this wild search for, like, the other Oklahoman. Uh, now it's Clark Kenta, apparently, that we have back here. Um, but when they had these things out there, like, oh, that's a perfect match. So it's, this is the time. Because right. as we've kind of come to know, uh, Survivor casting usually isn't like a one-to-one thing. You kind of make it through a cycle, then sometimes you have to wait a while, particularly since so often they're pushed back for returnees. Um, so, yeah, no, that's a good point that this might not be as coincidental as they thought. Obviously, it's coincidental that they ended up on a tribe of yeah, it's five together. Right, yeah, that's the coincidence part, you know. Yeah. And, and I like how this was brought up because it started with, like, Michelle, you know, doing um, the, you know, the thing, like asking people about themselves, where are people from. And like I say, like, I, I actually took notice of that. I was like, hey, well, this kind of reveals what a good social player is. And I think that actually says something about me and what, like, a socially, like, uh, retarded person I am that I'm impressed by people asking where you live. But it was for me. It was like, oh, wow. I wouldn't have even have thought to ask people that. So she's like, where are people from? Oklahoma. And then it starts this, bond, this, this immediate bond between two people. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucked. Uh, okay. Uh, so I actually looked it up. Uh, Chris was a tight end and the captain on that team. He was One of those things makes sense because he is a tall guy. Yeah, so, he's a big, tall, wide guy too. And tight ends yeah. are usually yeah, wide. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> I'm glad you were doing that instead of listening to my points. It probably oh, wasn't that good. Listening to your point and the quarterback is Jason White. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like just. 
she starts this conversation of where people are from, and then suddenly, you know, she's on the bottom of the list because it's like, oh, there we go. Zeke just saved himself. Right. No, I mean, but no, but I think that speaks to one of, like, uh, Michelle's strengths, which is that she's the one that reaches out. And this is, like, you know, what we had been talking about. Like, she's the one that starts the conversations, and I think she can start a conversation with really anyone. And I think this is why, uh, you know, people were, I think, kind of impressed by the way she turned that first vote around, well, the only vote until now that she's been in, because she's someone who I think is just comfortable, like, starting conversations. Like, Jay had come up to her and basically like, oh, this is what they decided. And she's like, well, we don't have to do that. Let's just start talking to people. Yeah, you and know? she was able to build on the relationship that she had started with Hannah and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, no, I think it, it was small, and obviously it ended up being about, you know, Zeke and Chris, but I think that was just, yeah, a bit of a thing on her strengths. Uh, and we're going to talk about her a bit more, so um, don't want to go too far, because I want to talk about what was probably my favorite part of the entire episode, and that was... Oh, 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 oh. was it David playing with his balls? <laughs> <laughs> How did we not get probes doing that? I think he was too dumbfounded by what was happening, too, to make such, you know, the great entendre. Oh my God! Him at the challenge. It was. It was. I was belly laughing. I was just laughing out loud. It was so great. Yeah, I mean, like especially once once it went off the platform when he got up, I just <laughs> lost it. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And then when he lost it again, I, I still wanted it to go. Like I, I like him, so there was like part of me like, "Ah!" But there was another part like, "Go in the water again, please." I wanted to go in the water again. <laughs> And it's and I love Zeke's reaction of just is he throwing it because that was insane because that was the only explanation for what was happening. Zeke was like, oh, he has to be throwing the challenge here. Like he can't be this much of a klutz, right? Yeah, like, who, who could do that? And, and I watched it again, uh, you know, this afternoon because why wouldn't you? I will watch it again maybe when we hit stop. And it's just so great. Like uh, it's just a, this should be what wins them the Emmy that they won't win is that how they. You know, intercut him flailing around and then they always keep going back to the other three that the uh, Michelle Chris and Zeke in, in ascending order of height and they're yeah. just like oh what ah. yeah Zeke's comment and then it was just so great like you, you know you could feel like they were embarrassed for him they were nervous they were like come on yeah. uh, there's one shot that like has like them all just like dejected and then like him like coming bouncing into frame while he's trying to get the ball it was so fantastic I mean and of course if you had to consider from their point you know perspective they just watched Cece take forever you know with hers because again like she was also insanely slow and then they're like, okay, CC's done. Like, Dave will be better than that. And it's like, he starts off, and they're like, okay, well, he's marginally better. And then yeah, just, he unhooked it. We're good to go. Yeah, we're good to go. And then just, nope. <laughs> he screwed up the putting the ball in the basket. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was – There was one other great part of it, which is that when David first gets on the platform, you can hear Chris say, and they, and, and they like, edited it in so you could hear it from the mat. Do you hear him say, get ready? <laughs> which, which at the time you don't notice because you don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> well, that, that wasn't for David. That was for us. Right. Ready for some magic <laughs> to happen. Oh, I was. I loved it. And like you know, he, like um, they, they have a bonus scene of David talking about his challenge performance later, and like uh, even he can appreciate the the hilarity in the situation. Well, yeah. Totally being mortified, although yeah, probably a feeling that he's used to. Um, but he's like, it was like a cartoon or like a 
1920s silent film. And it's like, that's perfect. You know, maybe he can write a few good things because if that's what it was, it was this is an amazing comedy of errors. Uh, yeah. I, I can't remember who it was on our site. Uh, otherwise I'd give them credit. Who said it was like, you know, the, uh, the cell phone scene in um, uh, Bojack Horseman. Yes. Yes. No, that's exactly what it's like. Uh, so that that was amazing. Uh, it, it, it's in a moment amazing enough that I almost wished that they would have like the parade of losers this season, just so that could be David's montage moment. Unless, of course, David made it that far, in which case it would be ruined because then you couldn't have it. But imagine if David won this season, and that's on his winner's montage. <laughs> oh my god, even better! Oh, that's like that's the end. That's the kicker too. Just him reaching out. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, they'll never let it be said that we are strict game bots and we can't appreciate the, you know, the moments. That is all 115 funny moments right there. Um, so, um, so that was one half of the David experience. The other half is, of course, him you know, making decisions again. So last week, he plays an idol to save, like, a non-ally. And this week, uh, he did not play an idol to save an ally. Uh, what do you think about that dichotomy? Well, I think it's okay. I don't think you can actually compare the two directly because it's very different situations on different tribes. Um, I think at the time play the the idol last week. I think he was trying to build a larger alliance. I think he was trying to draw more people in. As you guys made the point last week, David doesn't bond naturally with people. He's a very awkward guy. He's like he's, he's introverted. You know, I mean, he's kind of like bubbly, but in a way that I think turns some people off initially. And so I think he has to give them reasons to uh, to start to bond with him. I think you know, if he gets back together with Jessica and Ken, you'll have some of those reasons. I think while he had probably bonded a little bit with Cece, I don't think they were probably as close as. Uh, their voting history suggests. I think they were close, but I don't think they were fast and tight. And I think on this tribe, saving CC for this vote doesn't help him long term. It really just makes it 2-2, and you're probably going back again next week because you have David and CC on the tribe. Yeah, no, I, you know, some people were asking, I was like, well, everything's situational, you know? It doesn't have to be like, the book on David is he'll always play his idol for the lines. And, uh, I, yeah, I agree. I, I'm just because he did it one time doesn't mean you have to do it the other time. And, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, him deciding not to do it this time shows the mistake he made last week. Uh, I want, one thing um, that I like to do on this podcast is talk about all the times I'm right. And one thing I was absolutely right about last week was um, he would have a better chance than anybody to get an idol because he knows how they work this season. And what do you know what happened? Um, but yeah, I don't think you say CC. I think this is your, this is, the opportunity that was afforded him this week was to be Chris's idol, uh, Chris's ally. And I don't mean like, you know, the fifth vote in Chris's, you know, group. I mean like the guy Chris needs. And that's what he's trying to get. He's trying to get people that are useful to him. And I don't think CC is very useful to him in this scenario. Right. Because next week, you know, let's say they go back to tribal next week. And then, you know, suddenly Chris is like, do I side with, you know, the two millennials or do I side with David? If I side with the millennials, like, they're going to turn on me next. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm now at the bottom. If I side with David, you know, and, Ze- and Zeke's with me, maybe we can get rid of Michelle. And then I'm at the top of this, like, little tribe here. You know, and, and I just think, you know, it's the type of thing where if you look ahead, I don't think David's in trouble on that tribe long term. And if he 
thinks he is, he has an idol. So, like, this, I I think this is the right move for David. Uh, yeah, like, just like last week, by playing the idol, he was able to, you know, non-swap, be in a 4-3, you know, advantage, a potential 4-3, obviously, one of the right. clauses, you don't actually know if those people are together. This week, if he plays it, he's at 2-2 next week. Like, that's not as advantageous. So, I think it works out that way. I think just the other, you know, to your point, like, <laughs> If, if you commit to CC, because here's the thing, he wouldn't have necessarily had to play his idol. What he could have done with Chris is says, no, nah, let's not vote on CC. Like, Chris did ask for his permission with that move. Yeah. Right. I think if he had said no, Chris probably still would have moved ahead with the vote. Right, CC, and but... David might not have known for sure to play the idol, so it's a little dicey <laughs> there. But... but, yeah, it's like I just, I think that, yeah, if you commit to CC, you're going to tribal council again and again. And... Yeah. You know, so you say you uh, you, Chris and CC vote out Michelle this time. You vote out Zeke next time. Well, then time after that, CC's gonna go because you're oh. losing. No tribe with those like as good as Chris is at challenge, he cannot you know uplift the ballast that is both David and, and David. Right, right. Because you know having one person who's bad challenges is not necessarily fatal. But having two people who are really bad at challenges, and let's, you know, let's be perfectly honest, David and Cece are both really bad at challenges, and we have multiple challenges evidence to prove that, that can really sink you. Yeah, and I think, you know, if people want to get into the question why uh, Cece over David, then I'm not sure actually anybody ever does. Um, but, you know, to point out the disturbing trend that is this season, uh, obviously there's, obvi- I think, David had an advantage socially that, you know, he's able to connect with Chris and Brett, you know, on day one in a way that she isn't. But I think the other thing is David has at least been willing to do puzzles and then has a reputation like we can have David do puzzles. But he hasn't had any success. Right. But um, at least you like in balance in CC and David, it's like, well, maybe David's going to help us with the puzzles. CC's not been doing that at all. And then, yeah, they're equally bad in other scenarios. So uh, if you're just going from a pure, you know, who is our weakest member, I think there's an argument for why it is CC over David. Um, And then, yeah, the other thing is I think David has done better socially. Um, But what do you think – about Chris deciding to take out somebody in his own tribe anyway. I mean, the Gen Xers came into this already down two people. Uh, they were the only tribe that had Gen X superiority in numbers, and now not. I think the problem with saying, like, oh, how could Chris take out one of his numbers is I don't think Chris has numbers. I don't yeah. think his numbers on this tribe... I don't think he has numbers really anywhere. And the problem with Chris is that he's always going to be a threat in the individual game. Like, Chris is probably already drawing dead. You know, if you're that big a guy, that big a threat in the individual game, you need to get a really rock-solid big alliance around you. And Chris doesn't have that because his, like, you know, alliance people keep getting taken out. You know? Yeah, he tried. He absolutely tried. He tried to, like, this is our, our big six and we're not changing. Um, right. But, you know, but then, then two of them got taken out. And so suddenly it's like, well, I have four. Four is not getting it done. You need more people, you know. And so it's just I, I think he needs to do what he can to stay alive, make new bonds with new people. But I think he's drawing dead. You know, I think he's just already in a bad position. 
Yeah, and I think you're a point. Like, Cece's not his people. Uh, just because yeah. she was on a tribe with him before, he has been trying to get her out of that tribe for a while now, and apparently, uh, from her exit interviews, yeah, uh, <laughs> told her in no uncertain terms that she should have been voted out uh, instead of Paul. Um, and that's, yeah, I think that he's better off trying to make something new. Make something new with Zeke. Yes. Um, he does have that confessional where he's like, you know, I do need some... Um, Gen Xers on my side, and David has a connection to them, uh, probably more so than CC does. So yeah, I think it's fine to take out her because, as you say, another way for him to stay around is to not go to tribal council two more times. Right. Because maybe it's him. Yeah. Well, they take out Michelle. They take out Zeke. He. Uh, there's proof so far that CC and David are closer to each other than they are to him. Right. And you. Know, and here's the. I mean, here's the other thing about like for David keeping CC. If you keep her. You know, you're going to have a swap coming up probably back to two tribes before the merge. And so then, you know, you don't necessarily know that you're going to protect her. So you're just keeping her for her to be swapped on another tribe and go home then. Like, you know, it's just she's very hard to drag that far to the merge. Yeah, and I don't want to make this too complicated. Like, I do think he did some of the mental work of why he needs David, at least. Why, you know, it was worth repairing the relationship with David as opposed to just blindsiding both of them. Uh, but I also think it's just, you know, he's a committed competitor his entire life, and he couldn't stand losing with two people that will cause him to do so, and he had an opportunity to do that. And also the added satisfaction of these people uh, have gotten out a couple of my allies. So, yeah, I think that's more of the motivation, but I do think at the very least his uh, decision to uh, bring David into the fold was, you know, I think that was a good play. Yeah, right, and, you know, someone asked uh, on our comments, like, you know, why would you tell someone if you already have 3-2? And the reason why is to build the bonds going further. If David betrays you there, it's not blowing back on you. It's blowing back on probably Michelle or Zeke. But now you know you really can't trust David because he's done it three times now. Yeah. And, yeah, I think David potentially brings you Jessica and um, Ken. So, yeah, there's value. I think Chris played the bright move. Uh, to your point, like, yeah, he can't win. Uh, I think, yeah, if he sticks around at all, well, for one, yeah, he can obviously win some challenges uh, once it gets to the individual phase. I do think he has a very good chance of getting to the individual phase because he'll be very useful on tribes now. Unless, you know, to your point, if they get to uh, go back to two, maybe then people just take him out there because if it's like last time, two was like one goddamn tribal council. Um, It was just like gifting rap gift wrapping move if they needed that. But um the other reason why he could stick around is as a meat shield. But you know, that's not yeah, that's not a necessarily a successful path to victory. I think there's other meat shields on this season. Yeah, but if you're one of those, maybe you'd like you want, yeah, you would you might want Chris. Yes, if you are say an even better looking slab of beef. <laughs> like a can? Like a can. Um okay, so no, uh, where are we at? Okay, so um, they make the plan. They're right. gonna target, you know, uh, uh, David and Chris very excitedly tell uh, their newfound millennial friends, and then Michelle goes off and tries to change that. Uh, I think there's a lot of people who view um, her conversation with Cece and her attempt to target David really negatively. Uh, where are you at on that? Um. Yeah, it felt kind of like a blunder. It felt, and the reason why was not the idea behind it. Like, I get her trying to maybe target David, but it just felt like she did not have a good read on the dynamics. And the one thing that we've been seeing from Michelle that had people high on her 
from the one time when she hand voted before was the fact that she did have a good read on the dynamics. She did have a good read on what to talk to people about. And here it's like she's talking to Cece about voting out the one person who Cece's closest to. That, you know, it's like that just shows that Michelle did not have a good read this time. And I think no, so- Yeah. I'll say a couple things in her defense. Uh, when she had to make her first move, she had like seven days worth of evidence uh, because the cyclone gave her the extra one. Uh, here she had, you know, three. Um, so, yeah, it's not hard to sniff out. But also she did not have very many options, right? Um, right. I mean, right. You could try to be like, hey, let's throw uh, Zeke under the bus. Uh, isn't Chris a a-hole? But, no, you need Chris. You know, yeah. and she saw, you know, Chris and Zeke bonding over, you know, their shared point of origin. Um, and also, like, it was Chris and, you know, uh, David that brought the plan to her. So I understand. I actually don't mind her approaching uh, CC. But here's the thing. If you're going to go after David, why aren't you talking to Chris and Zeke? I think, you know, her thinking, for one, maybe she had she had developed a decent relationship with CC in the past few days. Who knows? Um Find out if you have a third vote before you try to get that other one. Because I think if she has, if CC was into it, she could probably get Zeke on board, right? Uh, because then it would be more their move than hers. Although, here's another issue, and why she might end up being the person this season who was screwed by the swap, is uh, I don't know how good a relationship she had with Zeke going in, right? I think, she has a, I, don't, I think she has a very bad relationship with Zeke, in fact. Well, not bad, but I think like just like... Adam is the person that Taylor and Figgy probably least wanted to see, or maybe vice versa. I think Zeke and Michelle might be the same there. I, I think Zeke and Michelle might might be the ones that have the least connection. Yeah, yeah and uh, bonus scene with Zeke this week, he was talking about like how, like here I am, you know, on the only tribe that you know the millennials are the minority with the person who was leading the group that was trying to get rid of me. So yeah, he recognizes that she was a leader. You know, he'd figured that out. So yeah, I think she did as many moves once, you know, those Okies were getting together. Um, but I don't think, I didn't find that she was overly aggressive with CC. I mean, she laid out the idea that it is David and what was drawing dead, but, and obviously some of this is influenced by what she tells us in voiceover, she was feeling CC out. She could tell there was nothing going there, and then you know, she dropped it. Um, yeah, I think that's true. So, you know, it could just be simple, you know. I can't put my – I don't want to just trust that these guys are telling me the truth because if they aren't, I'm going home, in which right. case, you know, you need to do what you need to do to not have that happen. But, but again, yeah, if those guys aren't telling her the truth, she has three against her. Right, but if she can get one, then maybe you can get two, right? Because – and the other person would be Zeke, right? I don't know if you can sell Zeke on a plan of, like, let's flip this here um, when he's not the target, but you can. It's like, I have this folk from CC. She really wants to do this. Let's take control of this tribe. Right. So that's a possibility. But I think uh, where people really come down on her is um, what she does at Tribal Council. Yeah. Yeah, and she doesn't come off well. I mean, like, you know, again, I don't think she came off super well there, but I don't think it's as bad as people making it out. Like, I think the thing is just this. I think Michelle as a player, I don't think she's going to do too well. I think she's. I think she's going to probably go home in a swap. Maybe next week if this tribe goes again, because um, I think she's kind of a natural target next week. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just you know it's going to be she got swapped in with the wrong people, and so the show has to give you some evidence to why she might go home. Well, here's a key C for me that led into that is when David and Chris are telling them the plan. David explicitly says. Don't worry. Don't pay any attention to anything that's said at tribal council. 
and like that, like he laid it out that we are going to put on the show to blindside Cece, and he did as well. He talked about voting out Michelle. So yeah. there's a possibility that that whole, you know, her attacking David at Tribal Council was just a continued part of the ruse that was previously discussed. I right. don't think it was necessarily her trying to get the target on David because she knew where she was voting at that point. Right, yeah, and here's, right, because again, like, if, if someone's attacking you and you don't respond, that smells fishy, so... Yeah, and if she does, if she says that, well, you know, we're targeting CC or whatever, then, like, you know, that's not what... They're trying to not tell people that they're voting for CC for whatever right. reason. It doesn't yeah. really need to be a blindside, but, you know, the reason why you always blindside people. Uh, it's not like David's like, yeah, we don't need to, I got this idol. Um... So I think, honestly, I think that's all that was happening at Tribal Council. There's maybe, obviously there was a grain of truth in it, because she actually did try, but right. I don't think she was actually going after David in that Tribal Council. I think that was just, you know. I mean, I, I think to the extent that she was going after David, it was laying a siege for future Tribal Councils. Yeah, which she will need, because, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little sad, but I do think she is this season screwed by the swap, uh, because I, I think she's a player... I really think there's something there. Uh, I think she's not dynamic television, which is one of the reasons why she's been left out a couple of episodes. Uh, another reason is just because, you know, her tribe's been winning up until recently. Well, but I think she can, like, get people to her side when given opportunities. I think this is just a tough spot. Yeah. If she can get out of it, I think that would prove that she's a great player. Um, but, and it's, um, it's just something I've noticed and just like, I think, you know, there's just like a, a depth to her eyes and the way she's just casually conversing with people and why I've been impressed with her when I see her in the way that I wasn't when I read her. I think that's just kind of, she's has that natural, you know, thing that we sometimes talk about with other players that like people just feel a certain way when she's around her, but I kind of think she's kind of screwed. I like a person who I think she's kind of like in a way is actually kind of like Dawn because she forms pretty strong social bonds, I think with people or she's able to talk to people. Um, it, it might be that, you know, were she to do well, it would come back and bite her in the end because of all the people she would betray like it did for Dawn in uh Claremont. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think she's that type of player. Someone who goes out, forms those social bonds, who talks to people. Like, I don't think she's someone that when she's in the majority isn't talking to people. I think she's talking yeah. to everyone. Yeah, and, like, yeah, to further that point, like, Zeke had pointed out that she's the leader. Like, I think yeah. people recognizing what she's doing around camp in a way that might be not be revealing to us because the story so far we got out of there was either, you know, Adam trying to claw his way out of the bottom or, you know, pigtails. So, right. Don't, don't call me that. They're failure. All the names suck because they suck. And I, I, I like the idea of choosing the worst one. You see, I like the one that sounds like fail. Ah, there you go. Oh. Um, or nothing. Well, speaking of failure, who are your favorites uh, this season? Uh, not them. Um, so, obviously, uh, Dreamboat Ken. Um, uh, I, and Michaela, I think, is a big favorite. She's super entertaining. Uh, some of my others, I would say, uh, I'm liking the David experience. Like, he is a, he's a weirdo, but, like, he's become an endearing weirdo. Like, the first episode, I was not on board, and he's won me over. So uh, let's, let's talk about Ken for a minute, uh, uh more. Because, uh, obviously, we, we, we have our jokes about, you know, how attractive he is, which, you know, obviously aren't jokes. These are state, stated facts. Uh but he's become a bit of a controversial figure in our community. Uh, 
And I think this is your opportunity to uh, strike back where they can't uh, you know, comment at you. He's not boring, right? I don't think so. Like, I mean, so here's the thing. If Ken was like what we expected a Ken type to be, everyone would be saying, oh, he's arrogant. He's, you know, domineering. He doesn't respect people. Like, I think N, okay, I, I do think N might be a little arrogant. But, Absolutely. Uh, but I also think he actually is very, he is respectful of people. I think he is someone who, who like, he, he's, I think what he is is this, like, weird kind of, like, pseudo philosopher, but not, but, like, in a way that, okay, I'm going to be honest. If I met him in real life and he started going off to me about the wonders of vinyl, I would probably be rolling my eyes so hard they'd be, like, popping out of my head. But, like, I, I feel like this is, like, an aspect of his personality, and I don't think you see that very often in that type of person. I think it makes him kind of interesting. Um, knowing his bio, knowing his backstory, I think he actually does have a pretty heartwarming, you know, tale. And I'm not one to to have my heart warmed like you. I'm a little robotic, you know. So, Cold Steel is a, is like lukewarm at hearing his tale. So, yeah, I think I think he's interesting for some of the reasons we kind of got into. Is that I don't think he's you know, a, a fan of the show. I don't think he's, like, you know, versed in all the, you know, rules and etiquette of Survivor, and that brings a kind of an interesting tension. And that's what we have saw, in that, like, he doesn't want to be treated a certain way, and that, like, he's not going to put aside certain things. But I don't think he's doing it in necessarily, like, um like a negative way in like you know, oh, a, a hypocrite yeah. type way, partly because he hasn't had the opportunity, right? He hasn't had power in order to, you know, be the hypocrite that he certainly could become. But right. I think that's going to create an interesting tension. And I think it might actually help him in that people will just like him and they'll think they'll, they'll, they'll trust him more because he'll feel genuine and what he might feel genuine because he actually might be. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, and I think that's actually why I like him, because he just seems so genuine. I don't think there's, like, a lot of falseness. I don't think there's a facade to him. Like, I think he's, I think he is what he is, and I think some people react very negatively to that. Like, apparently Paul and he were, like, you know, oil and water. They did not get along. And I think it's probably because Paul was reading into him something that might not have been there. And uh, because, yeah, I mean, and, and I just think that he's, I don't think that when you see him, what you expect to get is what you get. I think for some people that's interesting. For some people that's like, well, I don't care. Yeah, it's like you're, you're, you don't get to be that guy. And there's also, yeah, you know, it's just to your point. Like if he's going to go off on these monologues, then yeah, sure. You'd be like, okay, buddy, let's get on with it. But I, I think like the thing is, it's like it's not necessarily like, you know, contrived with him. It's pretentious, sure. But yes. it, it's it's real and, you know, to your point, like, would we want to hang out with him every week? Probably not. Um, just like the guys there, we'd feel inadequate. But as a character type on this show, I think it's interesting, uh, especially in the era that we're in, where everybody, you know, is a super fan gamer, that right. I think he's going to be this kind of fly in the ointment. Because it's not like he's just laying back and, like, you know, who's the best provider and all that. Like, he's tr- striving for control of the game and all that sort of thing, but maybe right, yeah. by a different code. Right, well, and here's the thing, like, if you're talking about, like, people in the modern era who aren't, you know, the Superbot gamers who are, like, authentic, real people, like, one, you know, it's like, you know, you have a lot, you know, you have some people that are kind of, like, the Keith Nail types, and don't, and I found Keith Nail very entertaining, I was glad Keith was on a season, but Keith wasn't trying to control the game, Keith was a number, 
you know, Ken's trying to play the game. It's just he's not like your game bot type. So it's kind of interesting to see that happen again. You know? Yeah, and it's like it's weird to see like an alpha male who's like working to make like real like connections with women, for instance. You know, right. and again, some of it is because he's been desperate, right? Like if he could have broke down with everybody else, maybe he would have. Except that you kind of see that he's not comfortable in that environment right. necessarily. Yeah, he's the one reaching out to the outcast, and I, I, I find, right. find that interesting. Adam, he's reaching out to David. You know, he was reaching out to Jessica, you know, uh, before, you know, and then on and off there. Like, he's not, you know, he's not reaching out to the, you know, Ben Cece, you know. I mean, it's like, he's not reaching out to Chris. He's not reaching, you know, he's not reaching out to the big guys here. Like, I feel like if Ken was to gain power, it would be through that Freaks and Geeks alliance that Mari tried to form. Yeah. And actually, uh, we papered over it because we were like, yeah, the answer to is Adam flipping. It's like, yes. But, like, how about how he was able to get Adam to flip just like that? Yeah, again. And, like, and this is kind of why I like Ken. Like, there's something about him. Like, he approaches someone, and he approaches them in kind of a genuine fashion. Like, you know, and, and you know, and I, and it wins them over, and I, and it's refreshing, you know? And I think it's because, you know, his inclination to you know, pick up the freaks and geeks, as you say. And, like, in his spare time, and as a human being, he, like, helps homeless people and stuff. And I think it's, like, that's how, like, an atom will spill the beans right away. And from what we were seeing from that scene, it's not like Ken was reciprocating, you know? Ken didn't say, oh, yeah, me too. I was totally on the bottom. And I think it's just that thing. It's, like, people, he finds the people who feel out of sorts, and he gives them, you know, something, and it's just like, oh, thank God. Just like, you know, if you're frustrated at your job and then you go out to drinks with some people and you know you probably shouldn't say anything but finally it seems like somebody understands and you just start to vent and I think that's what he's been getting so far and I think that's what he got with Adam and I'm interested to see how that develops so um that's that's one of our faves my other favorite so far is Zeke I think he's great I I was going to mention Zeke Zeke is I, I really love him I think he's great TV I think he's a really entertaining person I think he's another one of those people who's kind of not exactly what you, you what you expect, and I and I like when those people kind of break out of their uh, their stereotypes and give us a little spin on them. Yeah, because you know he's you know this Brooklyn hipster from Middle America who you know can butch it up and challenges if he needs to, but you know is still like really intelligent and funny. Uh, I think yeah, you know, Zeke is great find. And what yeah, you know, um, one of the reasons why I you know brought up this question of who your favorites are one because you aren't on the podcast, so it's nice. Uh, change pace, but also we thought this season was a bunch of losers, and there's actually a, a so far at the very least, I think a high percentage of people were interested in. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it helps that uh, some seasons the people you're interested in are the ones who go out very early. Um, you know, as unfortunate as the trend has been so far with the voting, which is to say we've lost a lot of women of color. I. The only one that I actually found kind of interesting was Mari. Yeah, like, Rachel might have been interesting from a contrast perspective, which, of course, is why she was doomed, is that she was so different from the Gen Xers. But other than that, she was interesting. She hasn't been interesting since. We got Cece and Lucy. I I didn't see anything there. Yeah, I I still couldn't tell you a thing about Cece. Uh, Emily had to to remind us. I don't know why I correct that. Everybody knows. Um, Like, oh, hasn't she been applying since season two? Just a quick note on that. I think at this point, you know, maybe people can help me. This is a research project for somebody. Um, At this point, if somebody's been saying, I've been applying for decades, um, 
maybe it's a good chance that they suck. And there's a reason why people have been passing on them for like 10 years. Because yeah. Dan Foley wasn't a big winner. Nope. Uh, CC Artist. this time, Art, yeah, he was another one where it's just like, yeah, maybe they're just like, you know what? I don't, I can't watch another audition tape. Just put them on. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually what they did with Dan. Yeah. It's like, this guy will never leave us alone. He's he's attending live sessions. So, you know, oh, as much as any fans, it's a heartwarming thing. This person finally got on. It's like, maybe you should ask yourself why they hadn't before. Because <laughs> it's not like people get, like, more interesting or more attractive as the years go by. Um, all right. Uh, so I think um, it's time to predict what's going to happen next week. So last time we only predicted one person because who knew how the tribes were going to shake them up? You got it right. Um, as did our listeners, as uh, did John, who oh, you just seem to be copying all season. This uh, is your John's chance. Me. John's been copying me. He just hasn't realized it. Well, this is your chance to get the first word in. So we are going to predict one per tribe because who knows who's going to go home although if or who's going to lose. But if you have a thought on who's the most likely uh, to go on this group, uh, feel free. Uh, let's start with um, the tribe that went to tribal council this time. Uh, Michelle. I think it's Michelle this time. I think uh, I there's two ways it could happen. The first way is just that now that Chris trusts David, he's more likely to target Michelle. He already bonded about Oklahoma with uh, Zeke. You know, I think Zeke would not uh, go for a tiebreaker there, though we're actually not sure what the tiebreaker is with Final Four with four in this situation. But, again, I don't think he would do it. So I think it would be Michelle in this instance. The other thing is that David could play his idol. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think if they go now, it'll be Michelle. I think if she gets another, like, three days, then maybe it could flip around. Especially because, you know, at that point, it's closer to, you know, a merge or a swap or something like that. So then maybe things change up. But who's she going to flip it to? Is she going to flip it to Chris? I don't think so. She targeted David. I I think she could maybe flip it to Zeke. Uh, with David's help, uh, maybe it'd be like it either. I think. Oh no, it'd be it'd be an amazing play. Like I, I, I absolutely. My prediction was also Michelle, but maybe she gets into David's ear about look how close they are. Like yeah. if I go, are you really second or are you third? And I don't think it's, it's necessarily insane. hard for anyone, particularly someone we think is actually an evolved social player, to yeah. make David a little paranoid, and I, I, maybe then an idol is what takes him out. Well, I'm almost, almost unbeknownst to her, right? She makes her play for the one person she can. She thinks she's doomed, and he does what he does. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen if they go next week. Um, so I agree. I agree with Michelle. Because, yeah, it's just it's hard to see the math working in her favor. <laughs> All because the you know, two Oklahoma guys are together. Because like, if you're Chris, as if you don't want to keep the guy who's giving you that nice taste of hero worship, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm sure Chris has been having a tough time out there. He's been losing people from his alliance, and now he suddenly has this kid looking up to him. You know, he's not throwing that away. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's go to the tribe that you don't think is going to lose at all, the uh, Ikabula. Um, if they do, like, because, you know, it looks like it's a blindfold challenge. Who knows? Like, that, that, that's going to be a toss-up. Yeah, who, who has blindfold abilities? I'm going to say it's less who has blindfold abilities. If that tribe loses, it's because someone gets medevaced. In that case, I'll say Hana. I actually almost said her last week because I think there's been something about her edit that's been kind of bothering me. And so I do think that she could be going home soon. 
I don't think she'd be going home in a normal vote on this tribe. I just don't see that tribe turning on her. Um, so I'm going to say that it's Hana from that tribe just because I think it's more likely to get a medevac on that tribe than a vote. <laughs> Quick question that I didn't have there so that you can think about it, but um, who would be the caller from that tribe? Do you get, like, Sunday's uh, Minnesota accent? Do you get Brett's Boston accent? Oh, Do you get Hannah just spazzing out and, like, for, you know, like she could never handle that pressure? Is it Michaela just talking smack they, about um, people? I actually think – I think in the preview they showed Hannah uh, walking around because right. I think – because, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say, you know, her being hurt doesn't necessarily preclude her from being the caller, as the last time that they had the challenge in Fiji would prove. Right, that that is true. That is true. <laughs> um, would it be... Or would it, would it be Deep Voice Will? Everyone, over there! That would be perfect, Deep Voice Will! <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I don't sure which one... Mouse, I think, yeah, because I think, you know, Will, you might want to have him carrying around stuff. I think, not Brett, because he, he's you know, the muscle. Right. Uh, it could be funny hearing Sunday just bark on orders like she's Marge Gunderson. I mean, I, I, I could see it being Michaela. I think Michaela has a loud voice, and she's not afraid to tell people stuff, so she'd make sense for me there. All right. Uh, so if that go, tribe goes, uh, you predict it would be Hannah, Hannah being uh, medically evac yeah. I'm going to go with, like, it sounds like, you know, on uh, first glance, it looks like Sunday would be the person on the bottom. But I think because this tribe has extra people, because they have athletic people, they might be the tribe that targets the threat versus the the challenge you know, person. And I think it could be Brett. And that could also explain why like, you know, Brett's been invisible. No, that would make sense to me, too. Like, I, I, would, I would totally buy Brett going home here. All right, so... Here's the tribe I actually think is going to lose. If I had to predict one, it's uh, the last tribe. I do think, um, and that's, yeah. We are on the edit. page here. So, yeah, obviously if you think it's going to be uh, the, the reckoning of uh, Taylor and Figgy. So then it's just a question of who, who do you got? I will say, you said the other tribe might be one that targets the strength. I could see a scenario where they target Taylor here. One of the reasons why is because if you look at the people that are on this tribe, it's Ken, it's Adam, you know, there are people who I think react strongly to personality, especially Ken. And I think Ken could, I could see him be more bothered by Taylor in the same way that he was bothered by Paul. And in that way, he might want to be, if we're split, you know, if we're getting rid of them, let's get rid of Taylor. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think the edit actually might be pushing towards Taylor, uh, and you know he's the one that's given all of the um, uh, "I'm unstoppable, I could never be defeated" type uh, quotes. Or like maybe Figgy isn't saying them. So like if they gotta get it from one of them, uh, yeah. it's not, uh, doesn't surprise me that Taylor's the one that's overconfident. It I'm gonna go the show prizing the the male's emotions uh, about about the relationship over a woman's emotions, which is. Uh, not something they have done in the past, like when you know in uh, Caramoan, when the uh, when the four kids, when the cool kids, you know, like when the girl, uh, when uh, I'm so, was it Hope that went home first? I think it was Hope first, yeah. So when Hope went home first, you didn't have like you know her talking about how great they were. You had the guys talking about how much they liked Hope, you know, and stuff like that. It's so you have the male perspective on, like, the relationship rather than both of their perspectives. 
I'm going to go with Figgy because I've been predicting her every week, and I'd feel really stupid if I went the other way this time and it was her. So there's it for the reason only. But also, yeah. I think that she will be targeted as the bigger threat. You say that this might be the one of the threat. I think Figgy is a bigger threat than Taylor. You know, Taylor obviously has some, you know, athleticism, yeah. but not necessarily more than any, like, other people that are out there. Um, he's dumb, as discussed earlier. I think yeah. Figgy isn't as dumb. I think she's probably pretty manipulative. And I think in a sense, you can see how much she's manipulated Taylor. So I think Adam, who has had a front row seat as closer than even he wants, he will speak. Yeah. I think Ken and Jessica will give him the opportunity to pick the targets and he'll pick her. Right. And I'm going to be honest. I think it's Figgy too. I just wanted to make the case for Taylor because I do think there's a chance it's Taylor. I don't think they slam dunk Figgy. So I've got – do we have the same? No, no. You have uh, Hannah and I have Brett. I have uh, Brett, yeah. All right. So let's open the mailbag up. Um, we uh, we got questions, obviously, from our awesome readers. Uh, some of these are actually left over from last week. Uh, but you guys have been asking evergreen questions, which is great. That's uh, some of the ones we like. Uh, we'll start with uh, our friend Barbara Anderson, who uh, had the question of uh, which individual challenge do you think you would do the best in? So I didn't look up specific challenges. I know what type of challenges I'd probably be good at. Um, I'm pretty good at puzzles. I know this. I've done an escape the room before. I'm I'm the one that they put to solving the really hard like five piece puzzle, and I did it fairly quickly. Um, so something that ends in a puzzle would be good. Uh, and because of because I'm a small guy who used to wrestle. I have pretty decent balance and upper body strength, so something where I'm hanging from a pole or between the two boards, I could probably last for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a question here of, like, do best at and win <laughs> different things, right? He's like, yeah, I could, I could finish a good solid third in some of these. Um, I think maybe my best opportunity to win would be random chance-type challenges. You know, just, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Flip a board to see if you're the uh, last one on the pyramid. Who knows? Um, shuffleboard, you, you never know. I mean, yeah. I've, I've never actually curled, but it's in my genetics, I bet. Um, I, I bet you'd be a natural at it. But um, it, in reality, like if I had to, you know, based on what my actual level of ability, I think I'd do best in memory challenges. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Now, the, probably the best one I would have is the ones I don't do anymore, where Probst tells you a story, and you run out. Oh, they did something like that in Cambodia, right? Uh, Stephen yeah, yeah, right? one there, yeah. Uh, I have a good memory. Um, and, uh, interestingly, I don't do as much in the, like, the play-along version at home, because I'm not paying attention to Probst when I'm watching. It's like, hey, this is the time I can jot down some notes or something like that. But if I was there, I would be really focused. There's the flip side of, you know... I do as well, not sleeping or eating, but everybody has that same, same handicap. So memory is the one where I think I could actually do a bit of damage in. Yeah, no, that, and that makes sense. Unlike, um, you know, say you and John. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me and John, not so hot with the short-term memory. Uh, yeah, he, some of those you guys will have your little nerdy hacks and stuff of like, oh, let's take mnemonics or, you know. Uh, I was never a mnemonics person because I actually – I. I used to have, I have a very good long-term memory, so, yeah. Uh, Okay, Uh, second question in the mailbag. Uh, This is from Ms. Fjordstone. 
would you ever like to see a season like the first season again with no idols, no twists, and legitimately letting tribes starve or be reduced to eating rats? Is there anything about that old style of play that is more suspenseful or interesting to you than the current style of play? I'm going to go first because uh, she actually submitted this last week and I actually gave it a bit of thought. Um, a lot of it is I kind of challenge the premise of the question. Yes. Um, I don't think the early seasons are as hard as we remember them to be, uh, especially if we're talking really early. They used to give them supplies to start the season. They had changes of clothes. Uh, it, they were yeah, they were sponsored by Reebok, who gave them like tracksuits and you know, rain clothes and stuff. So you know, this whole crusty survivor myth that like oh the kids these days have it so easy. Obviously, like there's some Africa was a real slog. I was about to push. I was about to push back with Africa. Yeah, uh, Guatemala was really hardcore. I think more in the middle seasons is actually where like they kept pushing the bar a little bit too far, and then they found uh, you know the equilibrium. Yeah. But um, the reason why a lot of the older seasons seem more survivor-based is because they were edited more survivor-based. If you have 42 minutes to fill and uh, the height of you know strategy is I have my alliance and we'll vote out people not in it, then, yeah, they're going to focus more on the, hey, let's find a rat or something like that. So, I, yeah, for that, I just think, like, I don't, I don't really necessarily, you know, like, they had to get evacuated this season. Like, the survival right. is still there. However, like, kind of um, at the heart of her question, I'm not somebody who is that into the survival elements of the show. I think you need a base level. This show needs to be difficult enough so that it's not Big Brother, right? Like, survival, doing things, like having real-world concerns is an essential part of the show. I think uh, I don't think that, that we've actually removed that. Um, I think the show has found that balance of like, how much can we push them until it's no longer entertaining? Because, you know, there's, you know, I, uh, I was going to research the, the name, but you know, there's that pyramid of needs that human beings have. And until you take care of one need, you can't really worry about the other. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. And yeah, and if you push them so hard that all they're focused on is food and shelter, then yeah. you don't have good television. Correct. There are, and if that's the sort of thing you're into, there is actually other television shows for that. You know, you can see Bear Grylls or whatever do his thing. So no, but the other thing is, it's just like you can't recapture the magic again. That right. first season has a certain kind of magic, and that's because it was fresh and new. And now we, ha- whether it's generations of fans or not, even if they wanted to go out and find a bunch of people who never or barely ever watched Survivor. Um, we're living in a world where people grew up on reality television and it's just different. Those people in the early seasons just didn't know. And that was what was exciting and refreshing about it. And you're just not going to get that again. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, uh, you know, the question asked, like, is there anything about the old style play that is more suspenseful or interesting? Like, the thing is, I love some of those early seasons. You know, there are seasons, you know, before the idol was introduced that are among my favorite seasons. Pearl Islands is one of the best seasons there is. Amazon is a fantastic season. Um, you, you know, it's there are these early seasons that are great. I don't think they're necessarily great because they lack these things. I think they're great because they had great casting. You know, and they had, you know, and, and the casting yielded interesting narratives within that season. Um, I don't think that the harder core version of Survivor, 
I don't ever want to see a Survivor Africa again. Uh, my distaste for Africa for longtime listeners is well known. Um, I when we were ranking seasons, I was the one that came on to bash Africa because Africa is the season where they just lay around because they had no, nothing, they couldn't go anywhere, and it's just it's a great cast that's wasted because they couldn't do anything. I don't want to see that again. Um, you know, I feel, you know, we talk about how Survivor is not that hard anymore. Cambodia was brutal. Uh, we had three people exit the tri- the season previous to this. Right. And then, right, and last season, right, we had someone almost die, you know, because of heat stroke. Like, this is, you know, this game is not as easy, you know, as people make it out. It's just that we don't focus on that. And we don't focus on that because one of the changes that's happened over the course of the show is that people have developed strategy. And the show has recognized that strategy is interesting. You're never going to get a Borneo again. And it's not because the show isn't going to do a season where, you know, the elements are that tough. It's because you're never going to get that many people who know nothing about Survivor, who don't know how to play, and who haven't figured out the most basic things like an alliance. So, you know, if you're saying, why can't we get a Borneo again? It's because you can only have a first time once. Yeah, it's like relationships, you know. It, you know it's super exciting and you know, when it's new. Everything's all you know, fresh and new. But eventually it gets deeper. And, you know, do sometimes I think back and it's like, oh, it was so fun when I was, you know, young and falling in love. Sure, but it's been replaced with something deeper and more meaningful. And that's Survivor now. Uh you know, I like just went. Shoop. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Uh, I promise you, this is, you know, it'll happen. But yeah, it's not fresh and exciting. I know a lot of the beats. Getting back to a question we had last week from some other guy about you know, as the editing all the same. Um, it's a little familiar to us in some ways, but then that allows for a depth of conversation and feeling. Um, would a, a season like that be interesting? Probably not, because the way I consume Survivor now is I, you know, talk about it with them um, obsessively with thirty other people on the internet, and then do a show about it. And if it was, I couldn't do that for Borneo. You would run out of material. There's only so much debate you can have over whether these people were right to try and eat something new for the first time. Right. So I, I, I get the feeling. Because it was magical back then, and I do think a lot of early seasons are actually underrated by modern fans. Um, I sometimes pull out my teeth when, or not teeth, I keep my teeth, they're good. Hair, um, when, like, the rest of you never give Australia the credit that it deserves. It's like, you guys need to watch that season. It is fantastic. But Are you saying that we're going to watch Australia sometime? Because, I don't I mean, maybe that's what we have to do. It's possible. Uh, But, yeah, it's just... Yeah, all you can have is the memories. The, the genie cannot be put back in the bottle. Because, yeah, what happens when you cast a bunch of people that don't know Survivor trying to recapture that magic? You get San Juan del Sur, so I don't want that. Right. You know, I, I will say that if there's a season it, uh, from the middle on that's kind of the most back-to-old-school Survivor, it's probably uh, Token Genes. Yeah. Uh, token Genes, there's no swap. You know, there is an idol, but it's actually, like, pretty, you know, it's... Pretty, They're yeah. both in, pretty much ineffective, right? One isn't right. really, you know, one is goes on with Brendan, and the other just sits with JT, I believe, or is I it think, Steven? I don't remember. But they didn't play it either way. Yeah, and and then you have Exile Island, but that's just you know, it, it's I think it's less important there than it is in some seasons, you know, despite the Exile Alliance, which never really came to anything. 
I think that season played pretty straight, you know, and I think, and that, and look, that's a really entertaining season. They just added a few, like, of the modern Survivor things in. Yeah, and I think also what happens if you try to, like, strip out everything, take out your idols, take out, you know, swaps or whatever, is people know what to do. Like, even the neophytes, like, CC would know what to do in that scenario. Like, these things, they had to introduce these levels of things to keep the players on their toes. And, you know, we have, you know, we did a series of, you know, 30 things that changed Survivor. That's kind of the counter moves of, of these things is, like, the show needs to stay ahead of the survivors. And every once in a while, the survivors prove that they've figured something out. You know, like, uh, auctions you don't, don't work any well, anymore, right. that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, change is, um, you know, it just happens. And, you know, it's wistful to look back, but, you know, we can't make Survivor great again in that way. Ah, I know, I shouldn't have done it. Uh, yeah. through. All right, uh, thank you for the question, though. Um, Mailbag uh, question three. Uh, we, this one's coming from Diego Armando. What gimmick would you like to see Survivor try in a future season, or what one would you like to see them try again? Uh, and then he doesn't want us to say all winners because I've always said all winners. I'll let you go first on this one. Okay, so I don't have a new gimmick. I'm, uh, I wasn't creative enough to think of that. But one uh, gimmick I would like them to try again is I would like them to try the uh, what they did in Fiji. And before you say... Wait, you want them to do haves versus have-nots? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the unspoken gimmick they did in Fiji, which is they cast for a racially balanced season, and they didn't call it racehorse. They did the same thing they did in Cook Islands. They And, you know, I'm sure that longtime listeners know this. They they wanted to prove that, yes, we can cast this uh, with the same racial balance that we use in Cook Islands and not engender a furor, you know, or make it like a... You know, it's like, oh, we're only doing this for the ratings. They didn't advertise it that way. They didn't market it that way. But what it yielded, you know, I want to see a cast like that again. Um, this current season's actually had a lot of minorities. It's just that they've been going home. Um, but I, I feel like that's something that yielded very interesting dynamics. I feel like it yielded an interesting winner, you know. like, And I think if you look at Cook Islands, if you look at Fiji, if you look at the alliances that formed there – you saw minorities able to be in positions of leadership that they're almost never able to be in because they're surrounded by white people. Yeah, it's, and this, you know, people is the question of the season, and you know, that happens is like racism and survivor, and it's just not that simple. It's just that it's tokens don't work because people gravitate to who they're most like, and as soon as you have enough people of one type. Uh, you control Survivor. That's just basic. So right. to your point, in Fiji, there there was no tokenism. It was, right. you know, everybody was on solid footing, so then it became not the thing. And, you know, for a season that was cast that way, I don't know how often race was a factor. Um, obviously, well, it wasn't the final Tribal Council for one yeah. question. Uh, but for the gameplay, you know. Oh, you know no, I mean, if you look at the final three, it was very much a factor because those three had a bond that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, and I, I, so I think it's just something that, you know, a racially balanced season, they did it twice now where they had, you know, the four ra- you know races that they choose, which is white people, Hispanic people, uh, uh, black people, and uh, Asian people. Um you know, they had two seasons where there was five of each. Though in Fiji, there was one less because one person got removed right beforehand. Uh, and I, I just feel that it yielded different stories. 
uh, than the than the type that we've been getting in recent seasons, where the person of color always goes home. For. Yeah. Uh, so kind of all in that thread, because um, I guess you know we're just these lefty Marxists here. Um, <laughs> lefty Marxists. <laughs> uh, I'm ready for another battle of the sexes. Um, okay. We obviously had one within one world, but one world I think was marred. It was too too much in one. It was you know, too much in one thing. Is this one world or is this you know men versus women? I think it's time for just a men versus women season, and I think we are better equipped to talk about it and to take it in. I think they would edit it in a more interesting way than you know maybe they try and like invent a watch or something like that. Or even like Amazon, where it's you know about young people and their hormones. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, but you know there's kind of a, a, a thing in the news uh, right now about the women and the way that men treat them. And you know, if we're going to have, uh, you know, if you are going to have a female leader, um, I think it would be interesting again because just the same point. Yeah, you know, minorities are targeted first, and women are targeted first. And you know, the, you know, the question of what the sexism inherent in survivor, and there's some to that. You know, by the fact that you know they don't have a lot of women in positions of power behind the scene. But a lot of it is also just the the sexism dynamics in our. You know, when you build a new society, all of a sudden, you know, one type of strength is favored over another. That's not a thing in Battle of the Sexes. And that's when women actually get to lead alliances without having to, you know, placate men. And, uh, you know, and then you also get interesting dynamics on the men's side of, like, you know, are they, you know, it's going to be this whole battle of what masculinity is or what they can reform it. And, you know, I think I think that would be interesting. And maybe it's also because, you know, I happen to or you know, write and podcast for a website that, you know, has a lot of people interested in that. So, like, this show is equipped to talk about that, and that, the people that we talk about would be far more, you know, would be interested in that sort of thing. Right. Um, so, um, that was my answer. I also didn't have a new one, but I think, you know, I think it might be time to try that. And I will, like, say I don't want it as a returning season. Returning yeah. seasons don't really need gimmicks other than maybe for casting. Your gimmick right. is a bunch of people who know how to play Survivor are back. Um, right. But for newbies, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that again. No, and I, and I think it's a good one. And actually, you remind me of something, which is that I actually thought the One World idea was an interesting idea. As you said, it got too married to the battle of the sexes there, and I kind of understand why they did that, so that they could we could tell who was on which tribe, because in the beginning, it's very hard to do so if they're all on the same beach. But I like the idea of everyone being on the same beach and interacting with each other in the early game rather than only seeing each other during uh, challenges. I thought that had some promise. I don't know if it would actually ever be more interesting than what we got. Maybe it wouldn't, but I, I thought that was an interesting idea. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, and other people have discussed this, the, you just be really diligent from a production standpoint of color blocking. Yes. Uh, you know, everybody, uh, you wear these colors. And then at swap, give them new stuff to wear. I don't care. Like everybody brings one set of each, and then that, I think that would be enough for enough viewers. And then yeah, I think because I think what they were going for in one world is like let's see how the lines blur, and let's yeah. see if we can you know shake up that dynamic. But then when you also make it battle the sexes, it's like you're root, you're, you're betraying your entire gender for you know right, uh, to do this. And they still made them build two tribes, and they still made it so they couldn't, like, share anything. Like, it would be interesting if they were really just in one camp, but they just had this arbitrary boundary that only came up during challenges. That would be, like, you know, like, because then you had just have no, you know, it's like, would they naturally fracture anyway, or would they be interacting, or what would be happening there? I don't know. What do you think of the idea that some people have of just one tribe, and then, you know... 
that I don't like. Um, I, I don't like the idea of one tribe. It turns it into, I think the fact that the show holds off on the individual game for a while, I think does a good job of usually getting out kind of the dead weight of a show perspective. And, you know, I hate to, you know, like I hate to call anyone dead weight, but even the show knows they cast some people that are not going to pop on TV because they're just casting the fill a role. And while they try to get everyone good, some people don't come off that way. And the pre-merge usually does a good job of getting rid of them. Doesn't get, you know, not always. There's definitely mm-hmm. seasons where I'm like, oh, all the people the show didn't want to last have lasted. And all the people the show did want to last have gone home early. Um, but, you know, and so that's why, when, you know, when you go to an individual game, the, I think there's a lot of interesting people that would be going home way too early. And I think you're going to wind up yeah. with a very dull end. Yeah, but like you could do it that like it's one tribe, but then every challenge is you know let's see who the teams are. Well, right. and that you know it'd be very different. I think that'd be one of those things that's too different. You know, as you know, I've related to before, there is a bit of a comforting structure to Survivor because it's just it'd be like Michelle and Fiji every week, just like you know I've created this whole scenario. Like as fun as it is to see people screwed by the swap, it'd be like every right. week, like I oh my. Uh, uh, Right. Yeah, you, know, you can only build so many yeah you know, alliances. It would be really exciting for that one person that somehow has a lot you know, fingers in every you know dike. Wow, phrasing. Um, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I I also think you know that's uh, probably a bridge too far. All right. Uh, anything else on the episode? Uh, nothing else on the episode. But uh, yesterday was Mark's birthday, so happy birthday, Mark. Yeah, I think you know people. Uh, this is good because I'm glad you were able to say that, so they know that you. Are not Mark. I am not. Uh, Mark. I am not Mark. <laughs> well, uh, how dare we cast two four-letter named dudes uh, that start with the first two? But yeah, uh, as many of you know, um, Mark is uh, the uh, also a member of our group here. Um, he did the live blog for you this week. He will be yep. doing it again next week because you have some terrible basketball to watch. Um, uh, yes, I have a Sixers game to go to. Yeah, but uh, he, um, among his duties, is he's uh, the graphic designer of our site. Uh, it was um, unusual for us to hire or hire, uh, bring in somebody with legitimate talent. But, uh, you know, I often say that, like, the best feature of our uh, site is the community that's built around it. That is absolutely true. But I think another reason why, you know, that we achieve some level of amongst there is that I think our stuff looks yeah, legitimate. And I think that's Mark. That uh, is a big part of that. Because I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but there are other you know, Survivor fan sites out there and the varying levels of quality of their visual presentation, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, and as that's just another interesting little note about Mark, is um, we are not the only uh, prominent Survivor podcast that he has done graphic design for. Uh, we're just the only one that's never paid him. So uh, that's a little note. But uh, thank you for everything you do around here, Mark. And also, yeah, happy birthday. Uh, also, the happy birthday thing isn't going to become a weekly thing. It's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just get ready for it next week, too. Is that what Absolutely. You're All right. Um, so, as I said, uh, Mark did the live blog. He'll be doing it next week, and that is on our website, uh, which you can find at www.purplerockpodcast.com. Um, you can find our fantasy game there. Um, you can usually find Matt doing live blogs there. Uh, other blogs, predictions, the whole thing. So uh, you probably know that, but if you don't, you should really check it out because it's a great place to visit and hang out. Um, on Twitter, uh, you, you can contact the site or follow it at Purple Rock Pod. 
I am Purple Rock Andy, and uh, tell everybody why they should follow you on Twitter. Uh, because I I actually did live tweet the episode this week because I couldn't live blog it. So when I do watch, I will do that when I'm not live blogging. Otherwise, and where, yeah. and where, where can I find you? Purple Rock Matt. All right. Um, if you'd like to help out the show, um, to help offset some of the costs that come with having such a thing, you can uh, buy things on Amazon, and we will get tiny percentages of your purchase. And that's uh, go to either go to our website, click on the link, or go to purplerockpodcast.com slash Amazon. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Actually, quick note about the website. We've uh, kind of changed it a bit. Uh, so let us know what you think of the uh, the update. Yeah, if you like the new design, if there's things that you don't like about it, you know, honestly, keep that to yourself. Just give us some praise. We work hard, damn it. Uh, anything else? I think that's it. All right. If you're listening, I'm going to play a little bit of music right now. If you're watching, bye. <laughs>